following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. We've been asking this question each of, the, each of our three weeks. This is the third time I'll ask it. I'm inviting you to think about times you've had anxiety. I'm inviting you to think about the things that cause you to fear and to worry and to struggle. And, and it's not that we want to like go and have some sort of you know, party around that, but the, the, the reality is this, is that we need to hear the truth. There's so many things. We, in fact, our first week in anxiety was the truth about anxiety, and the truth about anxiety is so simple and straightforward. Jesus has come for you and for me. Not just for y'all, but for you and for me, for each one of us in particular. Not just us in general, but each one of us in particular. And that he cares about everything that's going on in your life right now. And he will continue to. And he is the one who has gone where we, were, we, were, we think that we, he doesn't understand. And yet he does. And it is by his very stripes that you and I are healed. Hear those words. And then, then we looked at deliverance from anxiety. And that's this idea that, did you know that the Holy, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is here to deliver you. And he brings us out of the pit. And now, how do we stay out? How do we grapple with this? I want you to take a look at Psalm 91, verse 1. There's a, you know, there's, you can think of it like, you know, there's certain situations um, in our world where people are under people's protection, right? Sometimes countries will protect other countries. And sometimes you have neighborhoods where there's some guy named Vinny that protects the people in the neighborhood or something. It's totally stereotypical, right? But I watch a lot of those movies, right? So you always think, where's Vinny, right? And, and, and you just, you think about those things and you can think of all kinds of examples where there's people who are under other people's protection. May I just say to you, That the God of the universe, the one who spoke and by his speaking created all things. That's whose protection you're under. That's whose protection I'm under. Look what he says. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now it's important that you see the phrase Most High because what you have in the world, of course you have humans, you got creatures, you got eagles and lions and snakes and all the other creatures, right? And and then then you have the spiritual world. And you have all kinds of creatures in the spiritual world that we don't understand. They pop up in the story. It popped up today. Jesus is going to go start his ministry, runs into the leader of the dark creatures. And he calls him the devil, the tempter, the accuser. You know, I, don't, I, I always encourage people, don't put a capital S there. I know the Bible translations do that. But it's always the accuser in the original language. It's the tempter, the deceiver. He's never named in the Bible. And you're like, what about that one verse where he says, call Lucifer? It's not in the Bible. I know you think it is. It's not there. So the point is, nowhere in the Bible does it say this is his name. If we know God's name, and at his name, every knee will bow. But this guy... He is the evil one. That's what Jesus calls him. He is the father of lies, is what he calls it. When he opens his mouth and speaks and he lies, he's speaking his native language. And what he, want, what, what, what's, what he does not want us to understand or believe is that Jesus, the Lord, God, is the most high. The most high of all the creatures. In fact, he's not a creature. He is creator. And so the creator, the Lord God most high, it is in him that you and I dwell and Rest. 
It is the place where we actually take up lodging. The, the original language kind of has a word picture there. It's like where you would go and check into the hotel. That's where, that's where we're at. And we rest in the shadow of El Shaddai, right? The Lord God Almighty. God Almighty. There is no one who has more power than God. Now, what's interesting is if you're sitting there and you're someone who maybe even might be struggling with anxiety at this very moment, one of the things you might start to feel in your heart is, God's just God Almighty. Why doesn't he just take it from me? If he's so powerful, then why doesn't he just take it away? And we're going to talk about that in detail over the next few minutes, but what I want you to to begin to grapple with is... Why would you ask that question, and, and, and where is the origin of that question coming from? Here's where I'm coming from. This is what I'm trying to spit out. When we say, why doesn't God fill in the blank? What we are doing at that moment is we're putting ourselves in the position of the Most High, and we think we know best. And what we have to do instead is to come under his protection, to dwell in his shadow, to be in his shelter, and to put our trust in him. And the only way out, the only protection from anxiety is when that happens, when we trust him, when we listen to him. Take a look at verse two. The psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I... Now, it's really interesting, if you were to ask my Uncle Marty, some of you guys know him as Martin Luther, but we're related by the blood of Jesus, so he's my Uncle Marty. And so if you were to ask him, what is the definition of a God? Some of you guys might remember this from your catechism if you grew up reading that. Your catechism says, you know, what is a God? It's anything you put your trust in. Anything or anyone. And you know, and I can tell you, just as the guy yapping here, that sometimes I don't put my trust in God. If I have an emergency, I put my trust in whatever tools I have at my disposal, whoever I can call to help me out with that, whoever, maybe, maybe I put my trust in my bank, hoping I can pay the bill or whatever it might be. And the, the challenge is you and I put our trust in all kinds of things other than the one who is actually the one who can help us. And so what we need to do is we need to hear these words. I will say of the Lord, and some of the translations say to, I will say to the Lord, kind of interesting because it's kind of both and that's part of why they're challenged with this is it means kind of all of it at the same time he is my refuge he is my fortress a refuge is your place of escape it's a place where you go and you're safe no matter what and your fortress of course you know that is an impenetrable defensible place that cannot be overtaken it's like a mountain that's the word that they would use a mountain castle This is what our God is. This is who our God is. And we put our trust in him. Why? Why do we do that? Look at verses three and four. This is the challenge because a lot of times you and I will be struggling with things like anxiety or wherever we might be in our lives. And we think, what I got to do is I just got to try a little harder this time. I just got to get a little better this time. I got to do more. No. 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 That's the accuser. That's the evil one. He's like, let me tell you how this works. You don't put your trust in God. Put your trust in yourself or in somebody else or in the medication or in the psychologist or any of those. Those are all fine things. Not saying to get rid of any of those. I'm just saying not to put your trust in them. Who should you put your trust in? The one who will actually save you. Look at what it says. Surely, I know everybody's like, don't call me Shirley, but surely he will save you. He will save you. It's not like, eh, maybe, eh, 
See what happens. No, he will save you from the fowler snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings. You will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So what, what's happening is when you ask the question, well, why hasn't he taken this from me? My response is to say, he will save you. And I hope you understand the disconnect between the question and the answer. I hope you understand that. Because what happens is, is when we kind of throw our hands up and we sort of say, well, if he was going to save me, he would have saved me. He's standing right in front of you, talking to you, not this guy, but through his servant, he is connecting with you right now, saying to you, I will save you. I will cover you. Listen to his words. Mark, are you trying to tell me that God's like in the room and working? Nope, that's what he's telling you. And this is so important because when we ask the question, well, if he was going to save me, why won't he save me? The answer is he's saving you now. It's like the old story. We told the story. You've heard this before, many of you. Like there's this dude, he's, on the, he's, in, the, he's in the flood, right? He's climbed up on the roof of his house because the flood waters are rising. And all of a sudden a boat comes by, right? And they're like, come on, get in the boat. Now God's going to save me. Right? And then the boat leaves finally. After re- and then finally the helicopter comes. And they're like, nope, nope, I'm not going with you. The Lord's going to save me. And then finally you know, some guy comes by you know, on this little raft and he's like, get in the raft. And he's like, no, I'm not saving. I'm waiting for God. See, this is the thing. Most of the time when you and I are thinking he's not there, he's standing right in front of us. Because God chooses to work through means. Right? He doesn't want you to think he's this strange, mystical creature that you can't understand, even though we cannot understand or fathom him in his majesty. We can know him. We learned last week. We can acknowledge him. We can seek him. We can learn about him. We can speak of him. We can yada him. We learned this last week. If you weren't here, you got to look it up, branson.church. That's where you go. And so what happens is you, you learn and you grow in acknowledging him, seeing him. And once you see him, in all of the many ways that he is present with you right now, you can receive his word. And he will work through his word to create in you by his spirit trust, faith, hope. And you know what that will do? Is it will open your eyes and your mind and your heart to saying, he is delivering me from this. Surely he is saving me. Surely he is covering me under his wings by his faithfulness. Because see, this is the other lie the devil will say. We, we talked about this. He'll be like, yeah, well, maybe all that's true because the devil's kind of getting backed up against the wall now. He's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of truth coming out here. How do I twist this? Well, that's for the church we're going, folks. That's for the good people, not for you because you're a sinner. That's what he says. And then I was like, surely he will save you. Doesn't say if you're a good person. Kind of indicates you're already in trouble, doesn't it? And so he's going to just crank it up. Let's keep going. Psalm 91, verses 5 through 7. Because he says, look at how it's going to look. It's going to look like everything's coming apart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that, arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that, stalks in the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Thousands will fall. Some thousand on this side, 10,000 on this side, but it will not come near you. See, this is the second challenge because the devil will be sitting there like, look at everything that's going on in the world. Did you see what happened on the news last night? That's what he's going to do. And you know, like, it's just a matter of time before it crashes on you. And I'm not God. I'm not in a position to tell you what's going to happen. I'm in a position to tell you what he says is going to happen. He says it's going to be okay. 
That's what he says. He says it will not come near you. Now, you might be able to sit there and go, well, I know plenty of good Christian folk where they had tragedies. Yeah, that's fine. That's not my, that's not, I'm not here to debate that. I'm here to tell you the truth. And what's going on is when we look out at the world and we, we're looking at everyone else and we're like, oh my goodness, those people must have been sinners because everything crashed down on them. Or God must not be true to his word because all these things happened to those people and they were very good people. And I want to go with you, I want you to, I should say, I want you to go with me and we're going to go and we're going to play the tape of when God was talking to Job right? Job 38. And Job has had all these terrible things happen to him. There's a long story. It's a great book. Read it. Book of Job. Reading the Bible. It's a great cool activity. You should try it. And so what happens is, is in Job 38, God comes to Job and was like, let's talk about this. And he says, Job, brace yourself like a man. And then he tells him, exactly where were you when I was creating the universe? Exactly where were you when I was laying the plumb line of the entire creation? Oh yeah, you weren't there. You don't know how all this works. So don't pretend to know that you do now. And don't think that I can even try to explain to you because that's not the point. The point is putting our trust in him and trusting that at the end of the day, this comes, all the whole thing comes back to page three of the Bible where they had the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or as I like to say, the tree of I know everything. And we always say this, but we're gonna keep saying it. Have you ever noticed that you're always right? I mean, just think about it. I mean, your opinion is the best one going. Mine is. And if you think about how that you're always right, and that if you had at least 15 minutes in the White House, you could take care of all the problems, or any other house for that matter, that what we see there is, you know, some, some of you are like, yeah, well, no, I don't really think I always know everything. But I mean, we tend to have this urge to think that we do know everything. And we certainly, if we don't know everything, we certainly know what's right and what's wrong, what's good. And the ultimate question, when we are in the pit and the devil is sitting there saying, it's not gonna work out. All that pestilence is actually gonna land right in your lap. What's going on at that moment is the question is this, is God good? That's the question. And may I just invite you to understand and to grow in this fact that if you believe God is good, then it will never come to your house. And that is not prosperity theology. That is the reality of seeing everything that happens in the perspective of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who went to a particular place on a day that we call good, a good Friday. No one on Friday, of that first Friday, April the 4th, whatever day it was, the year 33 or 30, depending on which day it was, we don't know exactly. Some were either in their spot, in those spots. There was a day when God Almighty, who has come as a preacher man, has been raising people from the dead, curing their sicknesses, healing them, casting out demons, doing all these things, teaching and showing people how to love, stopped and let the world kill him. You're like, the devil's like, see, it's all coming to him. Even God's own servant, his own son, is not exempt from the world coming after him. It all came to him. But see, this is the challenge. If we think we know what's good and we think we know what's right and we think we know everything, then what we will see is exactly what the world saw on the day that Jesus went to the cross. And like, ha, if he really was the son of God, he could save himself. Let him come down off the cross. But what was Jesus doing there? He was thinking about the day you 
would have anxiety. He was thinking about the day you would be ripped with terror. He was thinking about the day that you would not have hope and he wants you to have it. He went to the cross and it's the reason we call it good is because of what happened three days later. The reason we call it good is because of what happened when he was on it, when all of the anxiety of the world, all of the arrows and the terrors and the pestilence and the plagues came to him. And he took it so that you and I don't have to. And yes, there might come a day when a plague comes to my house. And I might be sitting there and and the devil's going to be saying, see, plague came to your house. Bible's not true. You can't trust God. He's not good. But then if I entered into this idea that God has a plan and has called me to serve him, even if it means to take something like that on my own shoulders, to pick up my cross and go with him, then that's what I'm here to do. And I hope that you could see that trusting God, no matter what your circumstances are, allows you to see his plan unfolding in your life and in mine. And you know what that will do? Is it will take all the anxiety and just melt it away. It will take all the fears and they will just evaporate. And all the terrors and they'll just leave town because they have nothing to stand on because what you have is the love of God in Christ Jesus by his Holy Spirit living in your body able to face whatever happens, able to face any circumstances. Because this promise ultimately is not whether or not you catch the flu or get cancer or you know, the, the, the drive-by shooter happens in your neighborhood and that bullet strikes you. The question is whether or not you're going to trust God when it happens. The, the question is whether or not we're going to see that no matter what happens, God is working. God is working for you and for me. Now we're going to go to verses 9 and 10. Now you got to watch out, especially those who haven't been here before. This is the MLV. This is Mark's literal version. Now the reason I'm doing this is because I want to bring it out. Because every once in a while those Bible translators, they have choices to make. And I just disagree with their choices. And the choice they had to make here was, would it be if or because? Now 9 out of 10 scholars say because, so I think that they're right. Because you have made the Lord the Most High who is my refuge. Now the Lord there is in all caps. This is the divine name Yahweh. This is the name that was given to Jesus. What do they say on Christmas? You're all going to hear this in a few weeks. You're going to hear this story. The, the, the angel, Gabriel, is going to appear, and he's saying, born, born to you this day, right? And they're gonna, he's going to be sitting there talking about all the things, and then he's going to say, a child, Christ the Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament who came down for you and for me, who went to that place on that Golgotha and and made it good because he rose from the dead on Sunday. He is the Most High. He is your refuge. He is your home. No evil shall come to you because you have made him your home. No infestation shall come to your house. See, and I can even tell you that an infestation came to my house this year. We had mice. They came in our house. It was so scary. It was terrible, right? And everyone was screaming, and we had, it was just a huge, giant mess. And we, it took us a month or two months to get rid of them all. But finally, I think we're clear. Although the cat, she's kind of always looking, you know. And, and I'm thinking, if, if the cat was doing her job, we wouldn't have this problem. But anyway, that's a whole other story. You can still have infestations. But again, trust the Lord. Believe the promise. The question is, when I, so the question in my mind is, what, what is the Lord up to that these mice are in our house? There's a reason. And it turns out he has a whole lot to teach the Hunsaker family. And so we were learning. So there's a lot always good in that. Take a look at verses 11 and 12 as we come to the conclusion here because this is so important. He said, this is the key. He says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. 
Guys, when you're in trouble, would you please cry out to Jesus? He is with you. He promises. When you, when <laughs> he will command his angels concerning. Some of you guys could come up here and tell stories. Don't worry, you don't have to. But if you wanted to, you know, you could come up and tell stories about that day. I mean, I've talked to, there are veterans in our midst who saw active combat. I've heard them tell their stories about how, you know, the bullet whizzed by one inch from my face. I've heard people talk about how I was on this one road and it was icy and the car, there's no reason why that car didn't fly off the road, but it didn't. I've had people, one time, my father-in-law told me the story about how a tornado hit him when he was on a bridge and spun his car around three times and somehow it was just gone and it was over and there he was. You know, and we could all tell stories. And you've had those moments when you're like, wait, how did I just get out of that one? And this is the answer. This is the promise. Believe the promise. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Now, of course, the devil took out the three, those four orange words. He took them out when he was talking to, talking to Jesus and said, yeah, just throw yourself down. You're the son of God. You can do whatever you want. See, the, in all your ways, it was very interesting. In all your ways is this summation of the story of God who is inviting you and me to believe the promise and go with him. Not to say, well, let's see if he's truthful or not. See, that's just basically saying we don't believe him. In all your ways means to trust him. And at the end of the day, the devil doesn't trust God. That's the reason he is the accuser, the evil one. He rejects all that is good, and he seeks to destroy everyone else, to give you and me anxiety, and to make us believe lies. And the response to that is to hear the good news. Hear the good news of Jesus Christ died for you. Hear the good news that he rose again, the firstborn of the new creation, that he has said to you and to me, behold, I am making all things new. And if you believe that, then you, he will always be with you, right? Because he, he says, they will lift you up. That is his angels in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. No matter what happens, everybody's like, well, I remember that one day I stubbed my foot. You just, you trust him. Trust him. Because every minute of every day, the devil's going to be saying, he's not trustworthy. And that's why we come and gather in this place. Please, please go with me to Matthew 4.4. 4. We're going to put this on the screen. I want, you to, I want you to learn how to handle it when the devil says, you remember that day you stubbed your toe and he said he wouldn't even let your foot strike the stone. Then what you say to him is, it is written. It is written. Look at what Jesus said to the devil. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every what? That comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's the kicker, guys, because this is so important. I'm not saying you need to quote this verse, although this is a great one to quote. You know verses, right? Maybe you remember John 3:16, for God so loved the world. And maybe you're sitting there and you're in the middle of something when you're starting to doubt God's goodness. So you say, it is written, God so loves the world. And you, you see people who act wrong and you feel like you should say that they're wrong and then you're like, well, it is written, John 3:17, God did not send his son to condemn the world, so then why should we? right? It's written, right? And then you, you, sometimes you might say, well, but I've sinned one time too many. I've gone one bit too far. Then you say it is written, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or maybe go all the way to the end of that verse, end of that chapter, where he says there's no separation. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or maybe you go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, which is where we started our journey, where he said, cast all your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. Believe the promise, draw the sword, and tell the devil to get out of here, just like Jesus said. 
You have that authority because you are his child and you have his power in you because of his spirit and you have the truth and the word of God. It is written. Can we pray about that? Please pray with me. Father, we ask you boldly that you would indeed let everyone believe that truth so that when we are forced to ask questions and to wonder where you are, that you would help us see that you are right in front of us. And then when we are forced to ask questions and we wonder if you're so good and so powerful, why don't you do something? And then we would have the power of your spirit to open our eyes and to see that you're doing all kinds of things. And that when we're forced to ask questions and then we start to wonder if we're even worthy of your love, that you remind us that it is written that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Restore our faith in you to believe that you are indeed faithful, that you are indeed good, and that you indeed do love us. And through that, we will always be protected from anxiety. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.